Greetings members old and new, and welcome back to the Possibility Department, your one-stop shop for the modern-day occultist. If you find yourself entertaining the possibilities of anything and everything when it comes to the great unknown, then this is the place for you. My name is Luciana and I'll be your host as we dive into what I like to call spiritual and psychological templates for living our lives, interpreting our lives, and creating change in our lives. Take what you like, toss what you don't, and remember that what we talk about on this podcast is just as far-fetched as the concept of any higher power. Alright, let's talk about some weird sh- Hey everyone, and welcome back to the Possibility Department Podcast. Today I have another interview for you um, with another self-proclaimed witch. If you are listening to this in real time, for October I decided to interview three self-proclaimed witches for Season of the Witch, which I am doing here on the public podcast, and over on Patreon we're diving into some of the history of witchcraft, which has been very fun, and boy is this interview a treat because I get a lot of questions about the wheel of the year, walking the wheel of the year, celebrating the wheel of the year, um, different interpretations of the wheel of the year. If you're on Patreon with me, you know that I've been following it in kind of like a vloggy style and showing you what I'm doing. Um, but there's a lot of gaps there because I'm not very knowledgeable and Afira is incredibly knowledgeable um, because she's been making these videos and talking about this since um, the dawn of what I knew as, as internet witchcraft. This is a very full circle moment for me. Last week I, I just posted the interview with Joanna. This week I'm posting the interview with Afira and uh, you know three or four years ago I was sitting in my apartment working a job that I hated and would come home from a 13-hour shift and wind down and watch Joanna's videos and watch Afira's videos and, and think, wouldn't it be nice to, to be able to create content and just talk about these concepts, you know, just just to be able to make it my, my career to talk about these concepts and kind of dive into them and bounce ideas off of each other. And uh, I just interviewed both of them. And uh, this is what I do now. <laughs> I no longer have any other job. This is what I wake up and do. Um, so it's a very full circle moment for me. You're going to love this episode. She gives us a full lesson, guys. Like I asked for, I was like, give us a brief overview, you know, because you never want someone to kind of like give a, a fuller extent of things that they sell. But she was very generous and gave us like a, a really big overview of what the wheel of the year is and all the spokes. And um, if you're interested in this thing at all, I highly recommend looking into her course. I've taken one of her courses myself, um, looking into her course, Living by the Sun, which is going to allow you to dive deeper into these templates. Um, and she also has printables that are available. I'm going to have everything linked below, but definitely check those out. Follow her on Instagram and definitely listen to your po her podcast. If you're not already subscribed to her podcast and you're subscribed to mine, I don't know what you're doing. <laughs> And speaking of my podcast, thank you to my sponsor level patrons. These are the patrons on level three and level four. These are the guys that pay a little more for some extra content, which enables me to be able to bring you this free content. They're essentially the people who are paying for this content that you are consuming right now. So a huge thank you to Brianna, Bill, Jewel, Amy, Susie, Mariella, Erica, Kelly, Brittany, Ingrid, Tara, and Luna. Thank you so much for supporting me over in level three and 
level four. Um, short announcement, level three is opening um, again after a month. Very briefly, it's only going to be open for the next 10 days if you want to head on over with us in November um, and be a part of our November call and or workshop plus all the extra content. So on that note as well, always remember that if you prefer the videos for these interviews, you can catch those on Patreon as low as the $5 level. Head over to the Patreon and without further ado, I hope you enjoy this awesome interview with Afira Nefertiti Fareed. Welcome to the Possibility Department podcast. Afira Nefertiti Fareed, I'm so happy to have you. Hey, thank you for inviting me. I'm so excited. Yeah, I've been pumped to have you on because I think my listeners know that you were my coach in 2018 and 2019, I think. I did your business course and then after that we did a one-on-one and it helped me gain a lot of clarity. And I've been thinking of you a lot recently because I've been getting like a lot of questions about Wheel of the Year and I'm not well versed at all. I'm doing kind of like a little vloggy series where I'm kind of diving in, but just surface level. I have no idea what I'm doing. So that's kind of one of your specialties. That's what it to be. Yeah. When you're just like, I'm just going to dive into this and see what happens. And I'm going to show other people as I go along and make a dialogue. Like that's where I started. Is it? Okay. So that's what I was going to ask you is like, Well, I guess first, if you want to give us a little bit of an overview um, for those who aren't super aware of what is the Wheel of the Year, like how you would explain it, um, and then how you got your start in that as a practice, as a spiritual practice. Yeah, so I guess in a nutshell, the Wheel of the Year is what you get. I should have brought a diagram, but (laughs) (laughs) basically what you get when you put the winter solstice at the top the summer solstice at the bottom and the equinoxes at the sides and then draw a circle around it. Like in its shortest and simplest form, that is what the wheel of the year is. And then as witchy people, we also like to fill in the cross quarters, which is kind of something that's been adapted from Wicca, which was adapted from Celtic paganism. And that's where you also celebrate the point between a solstice and an equinox. So ultimately you end up with eight of them. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure everyone listening probably already knows that part. <laughs> right. Yeah. Where it gets interesting is where you look at the plant tend harvest release cycle. And if you're someone that pays attention to moon phases, which lots of people in the witchy community, of course, already do, it's kind of, it tends to be the first thing that draws people in. It's like moon phases. What is that about? So as soon as you learn that sort of same cycle that you get, when you look at the new moon and turning into the waxing moon and then the full moon and then the waning moon and then the dark moon, we actually get the same formula when we look at the wheel of the year. And when you see it that way, all of a sudden you're like, okay, now my whole life is perfect. Like now I can manifest anything. If I have moon phases to keep me on track each month, And then I have a big version of that that happens over the course of a year. Now I can manifest anything, which is true. And it's also very challenging. And that's where like the layers of like continuing to do that process each year will just teach you so much about yourself and everything that you need to know about the universe and, you know, an interesting unfoldment. So like my desire is to teach people how to use the wheel of the year to allow your true self to be revealed, which in turn manifests your ideal reality. 
what you see a lot of online is kind of just people being like, here are the pagan holidays and these are the foods you eat and this is bread. It's all bread. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Like we see a lot of that, which is great. It's all wonderful. But I think what's distinctly been missing, at least that I've seen, is using that actual plant tend harvest release cycle over the course of a year in more of like an intentional way. And so that's that's kind of my my jam. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like I probably subconsciously I mean before this is the first year that I'm kind of actually observing the spokes in like a vloggy way and doing something for it. But for the past 2 years I've been following kind of the plant 10 harvest release as a result of my work. Like in the summer I work really hard and then in the winter I kind of like ease up a little bit. So I'm sure I probably got that from you and your various offerings and courses, but how and when did you kind of find this? Like when was the moment when you found it and you're like, oh, this is the thing. I'm going to dive into this. Yeah. Like, honestly, like I said, I started exactly kind of with what you're doing, only you probably have more knowledge of it than I did when I like first committed to it. Because I literally just woke up one day, like a year or two after my initial spiritual awakening, and it just occurred to me that like, seasons should matter. Like, I feel like seasons are an important thing. Why are we not all focusing on seasons? And so I just randomly Googled, because it was right around the autumn equinox, and I randomly Googled like spiritual meaning of the autumn equinox. And I found all these articles from like Wiccan sources, because this was years ago now, probably like six, seven years ago, probably six years ago. There was nowhere near as much information available as there is now, because the, you know, the internet has blown up since then. (laughs) But like, I found all these Wiccan articles about like, the autumn equinox is called Mabon, and it's where you celebrate abundance, and it's the witch's Thanksgiving, and here's some themes and some meditations that you can do. And I was like, oh, wow, this is awesome. What are the rest of them? And then when I saw it, like the wheel of the year illustrated, my brain just exploded. I was like, are you serious? Like the solstices and equinoxes and like the way our culture deals with holidays and themes all fits into like a perfectly neat calendar where everything is matched up mathematically and I was like oh my god this is the answer to life (laughs) found the key yeah yeah I found the key I gotta learn about this and then tell people about it so I just went into it like I just studied everything I could find like each season I would watch tons of YouTube videos and read tons of articles I think I read a book here and there as well And I was like, this is so interesting. Like I got really into like history for a while because what you learn a lot about is like ancient pagan ancestors and how they would have worked with this kind of wisdom and where our traditions come from, both in like the Wiccan pagan community as well as in the grand scheme culture. Because as we know, like Christmas and Easter and Halloween are all parts of the Wheel of the Year. So like I got so into the technical parts and the researching And it was a lot of fun, but what I kind of felt like at the end of my first year was that I learned a lot and was inspired a lot, but wasn't really sure how exactly I could use this in my own practice in a way that is sustainable outside of just that initial phase of wanting to research everything, especially as someone who like, I live in an urban environment. 
until very recently, I didn't even know that I had Celtic ancestry at all. So oh, like, wow. yeah, so I kind of just like, I was like, how does any of this actually apply to me in real life? So yeah. for the second year, I was like, so something I'm noticing here that not everyone is really talking about is this plant tend harvest release cycle. Like I, I noticed a few people would kind of bring it into play somewhat mm-hmm. in their, uh, in their content, but I'd never seen like a wheel of the year course or exploration that was like blatantly about that plant tend harvest release cycle and like putting that above the traditions and the food and the colors and the history and all of that. So I was like, I would love to be that guy. I'm going to be that guy this year. I'm going to make the thing. And so I had, of course, no idea what I was really doing, but I was like, I'm going to start a YouTube series where each season I give like the basic rundown of like what I've learned about this from researching as well as like pose a journal prompt question that has to do with where we're at in that plant tend harvest release cycle. Mm-hmm. And that is where everything kind of shifted for me because I was doing it and I you know was talking to other people online who are following along and I realized it's so much more than just observing traditions or, you know, having a little feast or something with seasonal food. Like those are amazing parts of it that like I love. <laughs> yeah. I recommend everybody do those things too, but like there's so much more to it than just that. So after that first year of running that YouTube series, people wanted more and I wanted more and we'd all learned so much. And so I decided to then actually turn it into a sort of manifesting course where it's like manifest your next level self using the wheel of the year. So it was like a year and a day program Mm -hmm. where people could join and like still learn about those traditions and things just to see what inspires them. But the main purpose of the course then became to like really understand yourself to figure out what your core desires are, to figure out what your core desired feelings are, to figure out what your core values are, and then to use the themes of each of those seasons to move that desire forward a little bit and a little bit more and a little bit more over the course of the year. And that's, that's kind of what it's been about for me. Like, I'm teaching it. I'm still learning it as I teach it, of course, because it never ends. You know, you're always learning more about how the universe works. And I just like to add more tidbits of knowledge in there as I discover them. And yeah, it's it's been history since then. I, I don't think I'll ever stop living by the wheel of the year. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And you know what? As you were saying that, it started to make so much sense to me because I think like I said, this is the first year that I'm actually observing the spokes, you know, in my own way. And I've been doing it through Patreon, like with my patrons. And I've gotten to a point where um, I think somewhere around Litha, I started getting like really bored. You know what I mean? Like All of the same themes over and over again, because I think maybe coming from the background of having back in the day, watched your YouTube series and then done courses with you and stuff, I think I had this idea that um, the Wiccan Wheel of the Year was going to be a culmination of various different cultures and their plant ten harvest release. And I found that it was like basically entirely Celtic based. You know what I mean? So I had this expectation that like it was going to be the culmination of all of these different things and how it ties into plant ten harvest release. But that's not what I found. That was an expectation that I got from your content, which is really cool. So I mean, 
what would you say is the kind of person that would most benefit from manifesting in this specific way? Because the internet is now littered with different manifestation processes and three steps to manifest the house of your dreams and, you know, all of this super unrealistic stuff. And so what kind of person do you think would super benefit from this template specifically? Yeah. And I'm so glad you asked that because I'm going to expose myself right now and tell you that like when I had done this about three years in a row and was also learning to become a life and business coach at that same time, I wanted so badly to make this a one size fits all kind of like formula that like anyone could just plug in and go. Yeah. And in a sense, it kind of is, but it's also really not because what we all know. Uh, you know, once we actually like get out of our own head and like really tap into energy, what we know is that it's going to be different for everybody, you know, and what manifesting your ideal year looks like to one person is going to be totally different from what that looks like for another person. So trying to guarantee any specific results around any manifestation process is kind of ridiculous. And you yeah. know, I had to realize that. <laughs> but I think the ideal kind of person for manifesting with the wheel of the year is A, somebody who loves nature, B, somebody who wants to make peace with nature and has maybe had some negative experiences with nature, and C, someone who wants to manifest a better reality without being overly attached to the exact outcome of what that has to look like. So for example, I'm going to use myself as an example. Like when I first started with the Wheel of the Year, that very first year, what I really needed more than anything else was, first of all, a connection with nature that allowed me to heal my traumas that I had had the previous winter. Because the previous winter, I like, I was in my weird like hippie phase where I didn't really know how to manifest. I was just like, oh, the universe will take care of me. I don't have to make any decisions. And like, obviously. I don't have to do anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that didn't work out. <laughs> um, you know, I was just that, you know, meditating hippie who hopes if I meditate enough, then my bills will get paid, you know. I had to learn that the hard way. That's not how it works. But ultimately what ended up happening was I was in a really bad living situation. I was in like an old apartment that had really bad insulation. And then um, Buffalo, New York, where I live, had the worst, coldest winter that we had had in a hundred years. And so it was bad. Like I literally got frostbite that year. Oh my God. Yeah, no. Like, I, no I think um, a combination of like walking outside and like coming inside and it just not being warm enough to fully warm back up. I think I got frostbite. It was crazy. And so I was like, I need to make peace with winter. Like as a spiritual person, I feel like if I have an enemy that's in the form of a season, that's probably means I'm really disempowered as a spiritual person. Like, let's, let's fix this. Yeah. So I needed that. And then that first year, I also really needed some kind of structure to balance both my spiritual and my like muggle world life together. And that was like one of the first years that I was actually acting as an entrepreneur. Like I was actually doing graphic design at the time. I was doing some photography. And then I also had 
a part-time job. So for the first time, I was like, what is my schedule supposed to look like? What do I want my year to look like? What do I want my season ahead to look like? And how can I kind of have some kind of structure to create freedom within that structure instead of being totally willy-nilly? And that's what the, year, the Wheel of the Year provided for me. It gave me themes to focus on that would take my mind away from like being frustrated that it's winter and instead being like, what's good about this season? What am I supposed to be learning? How can I do my shadow work during this season? How can I like feel balanced even though the world is not as hospitable right now as maybe it is in the summer? And that sort of as within, so without thing happened where I learned my own cycles of darkness and light as well as made peace with the seasons that were happening outside. And then as a business owner, I also figured out like, okay, what if I had a goal to be this far in this project by the next seasonal checkpoint? And how does that relate to the theme of these checkpoints? And that sort of plant and harvest release cycle was able to start to make sense. And then when I realized that that's what it was about, I was like, I need to, everyone needs to know about this. I need to tell everybody. So the, that went really well, but the problem kind of happened for me, like, the third year when I was like, I'm going to turn this into a spick and span manifestation process and I'm going to do it perfectly. And I'm going to show other people how to do it perfectly. And that did not work. Like Mm -hmm. I had to really learn that having too much attachment to a specific outcome or hoping that things go an exact certain way doesn't work. And I had to also realize that by working with clients, like I had some clients who their main desire for the wheel of the year was to awaken their own intuition and maybe to have like a better self-care practice, to have some kind of spiritual rhythm to their life. Those people ended up manifesting incredible things, like crazy, amazing things that like they never could have imagined. But the clients and, you know, myself at the times when I was being that way of like looking at it as like, oh, I want to manifest this kind of in like this exact kind of income and I want to live in this specific building that I want to manifest or like I want to manifest a relationship with this specific person like when it was like way too specific like that that was when things ended up being disappointing for people yeah I had to learn that right alongside some some clients as well um you know some of them which we learned together and ended up being stronger at the end together and others where like i had to let that client go because their expectations and the process we were doing just weren't clicking so yeah to answer your question of who is the ideal person someone who is at a place in their journey where they're more committed to manifesting desired feelings than they are committed to trying to force things to be perfect when you have that mentality, the wheel of the year will literally help you manifest things that are so much better than you could ever imagine. And that's where the magic really is. I think in manifestation in general, but especially with the wheel of the year. Wow. I feel like you just told me what I needed to hear at this very moment. <laughs> I was like internalizing all of it. Like, why are you wanting specific things, Lucia? <laughs> so, I mean, I guess, would you say that your practice of the wheel of the year, then do you celebrate the actual holidays and the spokes, or is it more about the practices that you're doing daily during this season? What, what does the wheel of the year look like for you as far as like taking actions or doing shadow work or celebrating? 
Yeah, good question. And it's changed a lot, you know? So like that first year, for example, it looked like decorating with the colors and trying the recipes and reading about the histories and the traditions. And for some of them, I did have like a little gathering. Like I think for my first autumn equinox, I had like a, like a girls night in where we like ate pumpkin flavored things and watched like witchy movies and but it was kind of like a friend's giving since it's like the pagan thanksgiving but I sort Mm -hmm. of combined it with halloween because I was like hey guys I'm a witch but let's all wear witch hats so you know (laughs) that's what people in mainstream culture do they think of like an autumn party that isn't a real thanksgiving and that might have witchy vibes it's like it's a halloween party right sure (laughs) yes Yeah. so I did things like that a little here and there I did try to stick to doing some kind of like official ritual on the day of the the celebration um and then I think like eventually over the years I kind of let up on that a little bit so I realized that I'm more someone that celebrates the entire season and I don't know if your listeners will have been around back in the old school witchy days, but there's a witch named um, Lady Grave Dancer. And she put out this video from way back in the day that was about why you should celebrate the season instead of forcing yourself to just like force something to happen on the day of, oh. of the show point. And that really stuck with me. I was like, yes, <laughs> let's, let's like take the pressure off. Yeah people in today's society are busy and you know things are all over the place you might not be able to really devote the entire day on November's Eve night or whatever to like have your celebration especially the ones that cross over with mainstream holidays you know if you have like if you have to make appearances at five Halloween parties it's going to be kind of hard to also do your spiritual ritual that night you know that So, or if you celebrate Christmas and you want to do something on the winter solstice, that could work out because they are a few days apart. But if you're so busy with the holiday season that you don't have time on the exact day of the the solstice, that doesn't need to be a problem, you know? So, So as years went on, I kind of play it by ear. If I feel like there's a ritual that I need to do for myself for any reason, and I know that there is a wheel of the year checkpoint in the next few days or so, then I will be like, yeah, that's perfect. Let's match that up. But if for some reason I'm not able to do something on that exact day, or even some days, like I feel like the day of the actual um, astronomical occurrence Sometimes I'm just like burnt out from doing other stuff. And I'm like, can I celebrate this by just chilling out and enjoying the season? You know, I'm not strict about doing a ritual on the exact day. I do highly recommend knowing what the themes are and being just kind of ambiently aware of them for at least the two weeks before and the two weeks after the checkpoint, because that'll give you the opportunities to like naturally work with those energies instead of feeling like it needs to be done in some rigid or specific kind of way. So the process that I tend to do and what I encourage my clients to do is like, for example, the course Living by the Sun, which was previously called um, School of Seasonal Secrets. Basically, it, it revolves around some journal prompts. So, and then it also includes lots of resources like the history and the traditions and, you know, all of that fun stuff too. 
So it's like, if you have, you know, four weeks to absorb this wisdom in whatever way feels intuitive to you, that's all you really need. And so if there's journal prompts for this section, go ahead and do them whenever you have the time within that month. It can be, you know, do one after work once a week or, or you can sit down, you know, on a specific day and be like, this is my seasonal day where I'm going to do all the journal prompts and I'm going to, you know, focus on this season. So it's very flexible. You can really do it in any way that you want. So I tend to like have those journal prompts in mind, know that I, I will do them when I intuitively feel like it's time to do them during that season. And then if I want to do any like resource or like research or any of that kind of stuff, I can just naturally let that shape up during that overall month surrounding the season. So yeah, I hope that answers your question. It's no, kind of it, it does. <laughs> it does. It does. So I mean, it's refreshing to hear someone who's practiced it for so long to say, like, it doesn't have to be on that day, because I feel like you can sort of feel like the social pressure of everyone posting on Instagram of like, oh, it's this day, make sure to do, and people do the same thing with moon phases, you know what I mean? Like, oh, it's the full moon, must happen now. Um, But on that note, I would like to know, as far as the seasons go, just kind of like a brief overview, what do you kind of work on? each season you know like what's the big maybe not each spoke but what's kind of like the big theme that you work on with each passing season yeah i think you probably asked me that earlier but i was like oh it's solstices and equinoxes and it'll change your life that's all you need to know but yeah (laughs) specific (laughs) that would be good to know so um i like to start with the winter solstice just because it's easiest to explain the plant 10 harvest release cycle if we start there Mm-hmm. But I want to insert the, the disclaimer that if you're someone that's listening to this and you're just getting started, do not wait for any specific checkpoint to feel like you have to start there, you know, because you'll see on the internet that you have to start at the winter solstice or some people say you have to start around Halloween, which if you believe that, great, because it's the perfect time for that. But right. if not, don't feel like you need to like wait. Like the wheel of the year is a circle. It's happening all day, every day, and you can tune to tap in or uh, tap and tune in whenever you want. So that being said, winter solstice is kind of like this reset point. It's kind of like the dark moon, if you're familiar with moon phases. It's that time when the sun is at its lowest point. And we're talking about the Northern Hemisphere here, by the way. If we're talking about the Southern Hemisphere, it's reversed. So, for example, if I say winter solstice for Northern Hemisphere, which I am going to just look at it that way for the rest of, for the sake of this conversation, that would be summer solstice if you're down under and vice versa. So winter solstice is where the sun is basically at its reset point. The days are at their absolute shortest between the 21st of December and the 25th of December, which crosses over with the themes of Christmas, but we don't necessarily have to get too crazy into that. Yeah. that's a whole, a whole, <laughs> be a whole um, other episode. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> that would be like the winter solstice episode, um, yeah. which I, I think maybe I will do that on my podcast. Maybe I'll like dive super deep into that this year, but I would be interested in it. So I think a lot of people would tune into that one for sure. Yeah. I have to be in the mood to get into that craziness though. Cause it's a yeah. whole thing. <laughs> it's a mood. 
Yes. Um, yeah, the crossing over of cultural celebrations. But yeah, so it's it's in that Christmas season where it's just really dark. There's very little sunlight. The sun creeps up a little bit above the horizon for a few hours, and then it goes right back down into this really long night. And the nights are way longer than the days. For example, where I live in New York, the sun rises at about 6 6 to 7 a.m. and then it goes down at 4 30 p.m. So you've got a very small window of sunlight on where you are. So the theme is like sort of this empty womb. It's like maybe if you think of it as like the sun is a lifetime and and reincarnation, it's like the sun has died, died on the cross, right? That's where the Christmas party Yeah. We're getting Um, the crossovers. Yeah, it dies on the Southern Cross is yeah. like what it does. And then it's dead for a few days and then it's reborn. So on the 25th, it actually starts to, like the day starts to grow a little bit longer and the day will continue to grow a little longer each day until we get to the summer solstice. So that's where we're kind of resetting ourselves to. And this matches up perfectly for me with like the sort of... um the regular theme of the holiday season of like Christmas is the end of one year and then New Year's is the beginning of the next year kind of thing. I just kind of culminate all of that into the winter solstice season. And so it's this time when we're looking at the year past and seeing what has happened, seeing what we've manifested or what's worked and what hasn't worked. And we're allowing ourselves to just take a break for a few days from like being on that, you know, rat race or whatever we had created for ourselves, we're kind of giving ourselves a reset and we're allowing ourselves to imagine what the next year could feel like. Or if you're a visualizer, what the next year can look like. But I always say, don't get too wrapped up in, in what it looks like because we have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> like 2020 proves that <laughs> we have no idea. <laughs> 2020, oh my gosh, if someone's starting their Wheel of the Year journey in 2020, I think it's the perfect time because you get to throw your expectations to the wind and like see what nature wants to do with you and what you want to do with nature. So yeah, I look at that as the reset point. Um, Obviously, if you are part of cultures that celebrate Christmas or Hanukkah or Kwanzaa or New Year's Eve or any of those, any combination of those, you can always cross over the aligned traditions, I put aligned in parentheses, (laughs) cross over the aligned traditions from your other um, cultural celebrations with whatever checkpoint of the wheel of the year matches up with it. So if you're a big Christmas person and now you're becoming pagan, you don't have to stop celebrating Christmas in the ways that you truly feel you want to. You can just bring that into your like Yule celebration, for example. For me, I wasn't raised to celebrate Christmas. So I really kind of look at it as that New Year's Eve kind of moment where you're doing, maybe you're going to a New Year's Eve party on, you know, January, not January 1st, but December 31st. But for me, that like December 21st, 22nd week is that time for me to like do my rituals and my shadow work and, you know, whatever I feel like I need to do to reset myself for the new year. So We've spent a lot of time on that one, but I think like the rest of it will come together easily because that's kind of the bulk of the information. What you need to know is that there's like a dark time of the year and there's a light time of the year and everything else is just what happens in between. 
So moving on, the next one is February's Eve, which is just the midpoint between that winter solstice and the following spring equinox. So it happens around February 1st, and it's one of those times when you're kind of easing yourself into your New Year's resolutions. In modern culture, we have this idea of like, you're going to party and you're going to work hard for the whole holiday season and you're going to get fat and tired. And then on, I don't know, January 2nd, you got to wake up, go to the gym at 6 a.m., eat a bunch of vegetables and be perfect. But then never do it again, though, because <laughs> yeah. it's just for that first week. <laughs> exactly. You get burned out. Like you yeah. do it that first week and it just feels like a frigging chore. And then you're like, okay, I'm done with this. I'm going to Netflix and chill for at least a couple days. But then you realize you never got into your, your actual resolutions. So right. what I think is amazing about February's Eve season is that you have that entire season, again, like the two weeks before and the two weeks after February 1st to like gradually create that new regimen of what you want to be doing instead of going cold turkey and getting burnt out. So like for me, sometimes like that February Eve time is like, I told myself I was going to get back into doing yoga regularly, but instead of like waking up at 6am doing an exact like yoga process or like following along with like some hard workout video, I'm just going to give myself a space of like 15 minutes in the morning between washing my face and making breakfast where I have to sit on the floor. And maybe I'm just, you know, sitting cross-legged in like a meditation position and just relaxing. Or maybe I want to lay in corpse pose. And then usually after doing that for a few minutes, I'm like, now I feel like I'm going to stretch other parts of my body. I know I'm enjoying getting back into my yoga routine instead of like, making it this strictly regimented kind of thing. So that's just an example. It can be like any desire that you have for the year ahead. You just give yourself that month, basically, that like late January into early February month to like keep those values close to your heart, but be open to how you gradually start to interact with them. And then you'll learn what your rituals need to be. Because sometimes we're like, oh, I'm going to do a ritual every day and it's going to look like this. But it doesn't end up being what you needed and it ends up feeling like a chore or you're not getting the epiphanies you wanted. So February's Eve is that time to like figure out what your body and your mind and your spirit are desiring for your rituals and for your values and for your manifestations and give yourself the space to let that start to form. So moving on, we are at <laughs> spring equinox. I feel like I'm sitting in a classroom. I love this. Okay. <laughs> I love it too. I love, I love that like, I don't know. I love that this is something that I can just talk about until the cows come home. But I'm like, wait, how, how long do we have to talk about this? You're <laughs> like, good. As, as much as you want to talk. It's, it's, I mean, again, this is something that people ask me about a lot and I have like, you know, I have really zero on it. So we're, we're, we're loving it. Keep going. <laughs> Feel free to cut me off if it's getting too long-winded no. at any point, but. Yeah, so spring equinox is where you want to have made a little progress with whatever you had committed to. And I don't, okay, my cat, my cat wants to say hi, so hello. (laughs) Get out of here. She's so distracting. Um, So yeah, you want to like see how 
see how good you're being, you know? And I don't mean that in a way of like judge yourself if you're not perfect at whatever you said you were going to do, but it's definitely a moment to like check in with yourself and be like, where are we at with this? Am I doing my yoga? Am I eating healthy? You know, and it's not a cold turkey thing. Maybe it's like, maybe I'm eating a really healthy breakfast every day, but then I'm still allowed to have chips with lunch right now. And even though I want to get better and have a better like diet throughout the whole day, I'm glad that I've been consistent with this part of it. What is the next step? And kind of, it's like a moment of assessment. And I like to think of spring as being kind of like a coming out party a little bit. Because maybe you've been in a little bit of a cocoon after the holiday season. Some people need to like disappear for a while, you know, Yeah. their own energy and figure out what they want to do with their own life. And then like by the spring equinox, you want to at least have gotten to a point with that foundation where it's starting to show out into your outside reality. So I don't know, for example, say you have a husband and he had been in the habit of like immediately asking you for favors first thing in the morning, but you had committed to doing your yoga every morning before going into other people's needs and wants, right? Right. So maybe the first few weeks you were kind of timid about that and you were like, oh, you know, I'm just going to take this 15 minutes. Maybe by the spring equinox, you want to ask yourself, like, have my husband and I sat down and had the talk about how the first hour of my day needs to be for me and my yoga practice? And if not, let's start making that shift happen. Let me at least tell him that I have this desire and, you know, start thinking about how we could shift our schedules to actually work for this, that sort of thing. I think I came up with that example because I used to have a boyfriend that I lived with who would do things like that. (laughs) The boundaries, yeah. Yeah, I had to be like, how can I manifest this into not just my own head, but like create an environment around me that is in alignment with it to some extent. It doesn't have to be a huge, crazy step, but something something to move it forward. Yeah. And then that leads us to... um, not why did I say February's Eve again May's Eve where you should just be a little further along with it like that's kind of the theme here you're gonna notice like because now this the the days are getting longer the sun is giving you more energy things are starting to grow things are starting to happen and that same energy should be happening inside of you so you kind of want to ask yourself like Am I doing amazing? Am I making lots of progress? Am I very excited about the person I'm turning into? If so, great. Let me do some kind of celebration where I come out with it even more. But if the answer is no, and you're not really feeling energized or something seems to be stagnant, this is a good opportunity to ask yourself why that is. And not to beat yourself up and be like, you should be farther ahead than this, but it's more like, how could I make it more accessible and more fun and more exciting for me to be the version of myself that I want to be? Yeah. Sometimes it means taking some kind of bigger action, some kind of bigger step or doing something brave. I noticed for me as an introvert, I have a tendency to get really kind of in my own bubble in the winter. But by the time May's Eve comes, like I need to be making an active effort to be involved in community and Um, If I've been like working on something, for example, and it's been like in a little cocoon, it's been my little baby, 
Now it's like, let me post something about this on Instagram. Let me get other people's eyes and ears on it. Let me start getting feedback from other people and kind of generating more energy around it instead of it just being this thing that I'm over here being a perfectionist about by myself. Yeah. So that's a really important part of it. Like you don't want to be too hard on yourself at the spring equinox, but May's Eve is a point where you need to get real and be like, all right, where are we at? Let's like, if I'm serious about this, let's like amp it up. And if yeah. Some reason I'm not serious about it. Let me analyze that and then figure out what I really would rather be using my energy for and, and take some action there. Um, so the next one is the summer solstice. Yay. <laughs> the summer solstice, at least for me in New York, is where like summer has finally actually become summer. And before that, it's kind of just so long spring where it's oh yeah it's already been summer here by that time in texas for like a long time we have like two seasons it's like summer and kind of fall (laughs) (laughs) well that's what's cool about like this version of the wheel of the year because something that used to bug me was sort of like northern hemisphere deciduous forest type ideas were kind of forced into what everyone was saying you had to do for the wheel of the year. So like me living in New York, it worked out pretty well. You know, I live in the Northern Hemisphere. I live in a place where we have intensely all four seasons. And so that worked for me. But I was also talking to people who lived in California and Texas and, you know, some people who even lived in other countries and were all saying like, some of these things match up that we're hearing about on Pinterest and others of them don't. Yeah. You know, so it's important to take the parts of that that do make sense for you and learn from your own environment as you're also learning about your own spirit. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A little fun, little tidbit to remember. (laughs) But that being said, being in New York, like summer really is happening finally at the summer solstice. And so for me, that really works well with the theme of like taking a break and letting the universe take care of me instead of me feeling like I have to like always be on and always be doing the work. So I like to take at least a theme into that season of like giving myself a break. And depending on what's going on that year, it can mean different things. It can mean that I have a full-blown summer vacation because I already did all of my work and I am like going to be sustained for that few weeks. And other years, it looks like simply not committing to extra things so that even though I'm still working in some area, I still have time, you know, in the evenings or something like that to really just like sit outside in in a garden and like watch the birds or like whatever it is that I want to do. It's kind of this idea of nature is hospitable. And so it's important that we be proud of what we've achieved so far and allow ourselves to be rewarded for that in whatever way is currently tangible. And that's going to look different depending on what's going on in your life. Um, This is also kind of a sour, like bittersweet moment in the wheel of the year, because it is the longest day of the year. It is the point where after this, the days are going to start getting shorter again. Even though, especially if you're in Texas, even though that's not going to mean too much right away, eventually it will mean that winter or, or 
if you get sort of a fall. That's what's going to come. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or sort of fall, kind of. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and I mean, for some people, that's that just means something else. So maybe the weather doesn't change very much, but maybe you know that your work schedule is going to change as it gets closer to fall. Or maybe you know that holiday season will come up, and that will mean lots of things for your family or your community or, like, whatever it is. And that goes back to, I think, earlier Luciana, you had mentioned, like, you know that you try to slow down a little bit in the winter and you know that you tend to get more work done in the summer. So maybe you've crafted your business around that. And so oh, I have definitely. <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. You, it might mean like, even though the weather isn't going to change very much, you know, you're going to be getting towards that season where like the bulk of your work needs to get done. And then you're going to start to give yourself that break. Yeah. So you're just being aware of where you're at in the process and celebrating where you are but like also giving yourself a little bit of a break, even if it is your like busy time of year. Yeah. Take the time for self-care, you know? And it and makes then, sense that it's like different for everyone. And I guess everyone crafts their own. Cause you're saying that in the summer you give yourself like more of a break, probably because in New York, you're probably happy that it's summer. But oh, yeah. here summer <laughs> is like, it's not, it's, it's not good. Like, I don't want to go outside at the height of summer. You know what I mean? It's just terrible. And so that's the time where I'm actually inside and doing the bulk of my work. And spring is more of the time where I'm like flowy and easing my way into it and maybe doing a little here and a little there and trying to go outside more because spring feels a little better here. So it's so interesting that you say that. And it's so true that we each have to take the template, but then apply it to where we are geographically. Otherwise, it's not going to make any sense. Yes. And thank you for sharing that because I never would have guessed that that's why you have it that way. But that makes so much sense. Like, yeah. I kind of can feel that because here in like August Eve season, that's usually when it's crazy hot and I will be inside starting to work more again right. after that little vacation, you know, because at the summer solstice, it's like, oh my gosh, it's finally summer. I need to be outside as much as I possibly can and soak up some vitamin D and get rid of my seasonal depression or like whatever. <laughs> but by the time it's August Eve, which is the next one, which August Eve is around August 1st for our listeners. And it's the checkpoint between um, the summer solstice and the autumn equinox. That for me is where it's like, it's kind of time to hunker down and do any work that I had hoped to get done this year, but it hasn't happened yet. So, you know, maybe I, I got quite a bit of work done in the spring and I started some stuff and then I took my little vacation and now it's time for me to assess how that's actually serving me like how it's holding up and then decide how I want to put this next burst of energy towards creating a bigger harvest for myself in the fall. Yeah. So traditionally this would be the time of year when like gardening is still going strong, but it's like the hottest days of the year. So you're kind of toiling a little bit, but you know, it's going to be worth it because you've given yourself that little vacation maybe, and you're looking forward to having an amazing harvest to celebrate and you know you're going to really benefit once winter comes if you just kind of like work a little bit <laughs> during this And season. hustle a little bit, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So for me, I will allow a little bit of hustling or like, I don't even want to call it hustling, but you know, I, I will allow some extra workaholism to come through in the August Eve season because it's worth it. And like you mentioned, being inside in the air conditioner <laughs> is better sometimes than not. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it's kind of considered the first harvest. 
And it's where you're looking at what you've created so far and kind of celebrating it. But you're also realizing like, how can I make this thing that I've created take even better care of me as the year begins to close down? How can I use whatever energy I've built up to sustain me for the rest of the year? How can I get the most out of this? And so then as we move into the autumn equinox season, that's just further into harvest season. So depending on where you live, it might be sort of starting to turn towards fall weather, maybe, maybe not. Um, Even here, sometimes it's not. (laughs) Like I had a couple years ago, I had a which is Thanksgiving around the autumn equinox. That was like a hundred degrees. Regretted the fact that we had turned our oven on. (laughs) Oh God, no. (laughs) It was terrible. It was terrible. But that's what I mean when I say like, let nature kind of do some of the talking in your practice, because some years you will have a really cozy time in the fall and other times it's like, oh, global warming was real this year. Like, whatever. So yeah, like the... Um, autumn equinox time is really a good time to like celebrate even more what you've created and be generous with it because it has that witch's Thanksgiving vibe. vibe. So for example, if you were having strong boundaries in August and being like, nope, I'm going to get these many podcasts pre-scheduled and nobody else gets to like take up my energy because I'm hunkering down and I'm working on this then that autumn equinox is a time to be like, let me share and be together again. Let me like remember gratitude. Let me, you know, maybe send thank you notes to my customers. Let me have, if it's safe to do so, have a gathering. Let me spend time with my family. Um, Let me again go out and enjoy nature at whatever point it's at right now and be grateful for wherever it's at right now. Like it's kind of that like, that bringing that feminine flow back into it. Whereas for me, August Eve is kind of like that masculine energy of like work hard, play hard. (laughs) (laughs) And then moving to this time of year, which is November's Eve season, AKA Halloween season, um, which for everybody listening, Halloween, October 31st is considered November's Eve or like the night before November 1st on the wheel of the year. And so this is a time when we're still celebrating the harvest a little bit, but for the most part, we're celebrating the fact that like the harvest season has taken place and we've done our work, we've created the fruits of our labor. And now we're kind of taking a moment to look at what worked and what didn't work, but kind of in a way of like in the dark moon phase or the waning moon phase, for example, of like anything that didn't work, I need to kill it and let it be dead because I'm not bringing it with me into the next year. So for example, this time of year, I'm looking at like some things that worked really, really well this year were like getting back into my art and selling my journals and also balancing that with doing speaking things like this and still connecting with community and all of that sort of stuff. And so I want to keep that intention in mind as I'm thinking about what I want to manifest next year. But I'm also realizing what didn't work was I just used to have this idea that everything had to happen on a certain schedule. Or like, for example, a project that I'm working on right now is actual junk journals that are a kit that take you through the wheel of the year. And I really wish that I could be offering that to everyone right now. 
but it's just not done yet. And I had to like get rid of that mentality that like, just because something isn't done when I hoped it would be done, that that's a problem because it's, right. it's, you know, so that's what I have to kill. You know, you've got to get Freddy Krueger about it. Like, what do I need to kill? Yeah. <laughs> I, need I love to, this. Yeah. I need to kill my perfectionism and yep. it, it's going to be dead. <laughs> So yeah, it's kind of that more, not aggressive, but more like intentional shadow work because you Mm -hmm. can do shadow work at any point in the year, but if you haven't been doing it very much or if there's things that are not working in your life, now is really that checkpoint when you've got to sit down with yourself, think about that stuff, maybe take out a voice recorder and yell about something that's frustrating you and then do some journaling to understand why that's frustrating you and how you can get rid of something that's not working and then set the intention to have that eventually be replaced with something better. It's that moment when we're celebrating the death that we know will ultimately lead to a rebirth. Yeah. Kind of spooky, but also awesome at the same time. (laughs) That spoke to my soul. I needed to hear that. (laughs) I feel like so much of what you're saying, it's like directly at me. I'm like, okay. I need to do this. <laughs> so is this is this your favorite point like everyone else's or do you have another favorite point? I don't think it is my favorite. I love oh, it. Yeah. I definitely love it. Um I don't think it is my favorite though. I think my oh, it's so hard to have a favorite. I think my favorite is actually that sort of transition between August Eve season and um the August or the autumn equinox because oh. I, as um, an Aries moon and like having that fiery, ambitious energy, I kind of like getting back into work in the August time. And the fact that the sun is so strong that time of year, it's like this very fiery energy for me. Yeah. I enjoy it, but it's not the only state of being that I know that I need to be in. Like I just as much adore those like peaceful moments and relaxing moments of just observing nature or journaling or meditating. And so for me, like autumn equinox is a time when the seasons change so noticeably or they're starting to change really noticeably in my environment. And that just automatically like clicks and is like, you need to get spiritual, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that transition between like, yeah, I'm getting back into the swing of making stuff happen and I'm like making my projects move forward. But then I also get to like really enjoy nature as well and appreciate the changing of the leaves. And for me, that's just so peaceful. And having that balance is so important because the autumn equinox really is about balance. Mm Mm-hmm. Because it's that moment where, and I didn't touch upon this as we were going along, I was talking about the themes, but the um, cross quarters are, you know, just kind of made up middle points, whereas the solstices and equinoxes are like astronomical phenomenon that are like so amazing. And so where like the winter solstice is the darkest day and the summer solstice is the brightest day. The spring and autumn equinoxes are the days when the hours of daylight and the hours of darkness are equal with each other. So that's a really powerful time too. Yeah. So like, I love that sort of getting back into balance thing that happens around the autumn equinox in particular. And uh, I also just love that the leaves are changing. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. So I guess the next one after Samhain is, is Yule, right? Is that the very next one? So 
is that does that have the traditional associations of like go inward and do more shadow work or like how do you interpret you uh Yule? Yeah, so like personally I don't really think of Yule and the winter solstice as being separate from each other because I don't really celebrate cult, uh, Celtic paganism in that like religious Wiccan kind of way. Yeah. Um so like if you wanted to really bring in that like Yule vibe, something that I've noticed works for some people is you do your shadow work stuff towards the beginning of the winter, like that sort of November time period. And that's kind of like an extension of the Halloween phase. Cause like obviously in pop culture, Halloween ends on November 1st. Uh, unless you live in a college town, it might continue for another week. <laughs> that was my reality at one point. Um, typically, like, once it's done, it's done. And, you know, people in mainstream culture in America will start going towards uh, Thanksgiving, which, like, if you're a witch, that gets a little hairy because our Thanksgiving is typically celebrated before Halloween. Yeah. But we ha- kind of have to decide, like, what part of that, how, how fully am I willing to celebrate both the witch's Thanksgiving and the regular Thanksgiving? Right. For some people, you only need to pick one. But depending on your lifestyle, you might need to balance those energies. So that like gratitude energy might just kind of continue throughout the entire fall for you. Yeah. Or maybe kind of slows down around Halloween and picks back up again a little bit before shifting into Yule. But For me, being someone that doesn't really celebrate Thanksgiving, it is kind of just an extended shadow work period from that Halloween phase. And then for me, like when winter solstice vibes really start to come in, which for me is usually beginning of December or maybe when it starts to snow, because I do have that environment, then I start shifting from like, let me stop being obsessed with shadow work and just kind of start being at peace with wherever I'm at. Yeah. And that does mean accepting the darkness and, you know, somewhat reflecting on it because it is the darkest time of the year. But I'm no longer like actively shadow working the shit out of everything <laughs> by I the see. time. Like, okay. <laughs> you know, it's more of like, let me again give myself a little bit of a break here. Let me kind of be at peace with myself and be kind of like, imagine it's like empty yourself and let the universe fill you, you know, because it's yeah. that that time of like emptiness between one year and another year. It's almost like a veil between the realms, you know, that kind of opens up around Halloween. And I don't think that it closes up the day after Halloween. I think that's kind of like a gradual opening of this sort of reset energy that starts to happen between the death and the rebirth of the year. So it's kind of like, you can take that however you want because every wish is different. And depending on what happens in your life or what your culture is like, you're going to take the themes a little bit differently. But yeah, like that moment between um, November's Eve and the winter solstice, that is just this whole phase of just like this pregnant pause, as they say. Yeah. Where you're kind of just empty. And maybe that means you do need to do some shadow work to like, make peace with the fact that that's where you're at. But generally, like the shadow work part of it, I tend to kind of give myself a little bit of a cutoff once December starts and just kind of give myself a break, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I love the way you put that, that after Halloween, because I think everyone has this idea that like 
we get to have all this shadowy period before Halloween and then Halloween, Halloween's over. It's like, boo, we have to wait until Halloween next year, you know? And the way you just put it is that Halloween kind of opens it up and it's kind of this continuous opening of empty space up until the winter solstice, which I think is really useful and resonates more for, I think, people in climates like me. Like right now, it's super hot outside. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel shadowy or like October. You know what I mean? That's, it starts to feel more like that from Halloween to Yule. So to kind of use that as the shadow period, it really resonates, I think, for a greater amount of people. Um, I do have one question. What what do you think would be like the biggest lesson you've learned from walking the wheel of the year, if you had to choose one? Oh man, there's just so many lessons. Like it's, <laughs> they're always just continuing to reveal themselves. But yeah. honestly, I think the easiest answer would be like every season in its time. And on a surface level, that kind of just means like in our society, we're kind of taught to have this like idea that success is a straight line or like a diagonal line that leads up, 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 up. And if you ever drop back down or feel like you had to circle back around to something that you're a failure. And that's just not true. Like what we see in not only the wheel of the year, but of course the moon phases and like for people who have a menstrual cycle and moods that go with that, like what we see in nature is that things happen and manifestations happen in a cycle, not a straight line. Yeah. So I think that kind of in a nutshell is like the biggest lesson that I've taken from it. And then to kind of go a step deeper, it's also realizing that just because you've recognized a cycle within nature doesn't mean that your life is going to look the same way every time that cycle repeats itself. So for example, you know, there's this theme of like hearth and home energy around the autumn equinox and quite a few different years since I started working with the wheel of the year I was in the process of moving and my life was in boxes around that time me too I'm always moving in October yes yeah and you know you get into that cycle because if you're a renter then your thing is a year long and then you end up moving the same time every couple of years or whatever it was like that (laughs) so I kind of had to realize like some years that hearth and home energy is going to be me settling more into a place. Mm -hmm. And then other years, it might be me dreaming up what my next home is going to look like. And that's my hearth and home energy because I'm, my life is in boxes and I have to to evoke that energy in a way that's relevant to me, regardless of what's going on. So it's not about forcing yourself into the boxes of these themes. And just like you said, some people's things will be different depending on their weather and their climate, whether they've just moved to different climates. Like, And then there's just some people, even in my environment, who've lived here their whole life, but they have more energy in the winter and less energy in the summer. So we have to understand our own cycles as well and not try to force ourselves into boxes and just make sure we're giving ourselves room to genuinely interact with the seasons wherever we are, while also genuinely interacting with the themes and like genuinely interacting with whatever is calling to us personally. So that's kind of two lessons in one, but those were my biggest two takeaways so far. No, that's that's great. And it makes so much sense. And I love it when, you know, a teacher who kind of like teaches a certain topic also always reinforces the idea that this has to interact with you and your life and your environment. And it's not just like this one size fits all formula that you can pop on and it's going to work exactly as it is. So 
think it was a perfect answer. I have one more question for you before we wrap up. And this is from a listener of yours who is in my Discord. And she wanted to know what's one kind of like magical or mundane practice that you do daily, if any. Does this have to do with seasons or just in general? No, just in general. <laughs> um, something that I do daily. Um, magical or mundane or like to bridge magical and mundane? Bridging magical and mundane. Just like, I think her question was more, I think on her, on your podcast, she's heard you talk about kind of big spells and big magic. So she's wondering what you do kind of like for smaller stuff. Oh, okay. Thank you. I love this question. Um, Honestly, and this is a perfect time to be asking this question because I have not been doing big spells for the past several months, like ever since 2020 energy hit. And I realized that like, we can't decide what's going to happen. We just have to like, take responsibility for our energy. I actually haven't been casting too many of those like big spells. Unfortunately, I, um, and fortunately, not unfortunately, I am in a place where I didn't have to move this year. (laughs) So I'm really enjoying my um, space. And so I didn't have to cast like a next apartment spell or something like I would normally do uh, in the the fall. So I have actually been making a ritual around allowing space to happen, which is like the opposite of being like, I'm going to make something happen with this spell. It's kind of more a thing of like, I have had this crazy reawakening in the last year or so where the universe has made it very clear that I need to be more attached to my core desired feelings and core values than to any perceived outcome. And so my practice at this point is just to ask myself, how can I be more in alignment with my core desired feelings or my core values? And that can look like something a little bit every day sometimes, but oftentimes it ends up forming into rituals that end up becoming like a cycle of evolution. So for example, like back in the spring, I filmed this video that went crazy viral, like has way more views than any of my other YouTube videos. And it was about my morning routine. And at that time I had a very regimented morning routine and that was serving me so well. Cause it was kind of like, I think it was February's Eve season. And I was like very into like, I want to journal every day. I want to do EFT tapping every day. And I want to do some yoga every day. So that formed into like a very regimented morning routine. I loved it. But by the time that like spring and summer started to roll in, I needed way more freedom than that. Yeah. So I started spending time outside instead of spending time in my bed in the morning. I took my journaling practice onto the porch. I like, so that's kind of just an example of how you can kind of decide what your values are and create a regimented practice that isn't a big spell. Like, you know, like journaling each day and doing an EFT tapping session isn't a big spell, but it's moving you more towards your core desires. Um, And that can evolve, you know, so as the seasons go on, you can be like, oh, you know what, I don't need to tap as much. Maybe I kind of got through that shadow work that I needed to do. And now I need to grow some plants, you know? Yeah. So I would just say like to give our listener a more specific answer, something that I do every single day is some kind of mantra or um, repeating some kind of incantation to myself. And for me, those are always related to whatever my core desires are during that time in my life. 
Yeah. So lately I've been using um, this kind of extended incantation that is different pieces that I've made up at different points in my journey, but that now have renewed meaning when I put them together. So I'm doing a little incantation that says, blessed be the garden, blessed be the home, blessed be our hearts and minds wherever we may roam. I am calm, I am confident, I am connected, I am clear. I am in my element and this is my year. I am the universe and the universe is me and that which I once desired has now come to be. Blessed be and namaste, winter, spring, summer, fall, night and day. What once made me weak now makes me strong, but I have been powerful yet all along. So that That's sounds beautiful. so beautiful. <laughs> Thank you. It sounds so impressive because it's like, oh, wow, it's this crazy rhyming incantation. But each one of those little rhymes that were put together, like those were just an incantation that that was all I would say for a certain point in my life. So like years ago when I had my first garden, like that blessed be the garden, blessed be the home part happened. And now I look at that part as meaning like, the earth is the garden, society is the home. And so I'm kind of blessing the world with that now. When before yeah. I was more just kind of trying to trying to have a people house, you know, <laughs> after years of like being a starving 20-year-old living in shitty apartments. Like yeah. it used to be me evoking that hearth and home energy in a very personal way. And now it just kind of comes together as a greater theme. And I just have layered onto it over the years. And so I will repeat that to myself probably 20 times a day. Like any time that I'm either doing something where my mind would normally be wandering to like being stressed out. Like, you know, when you're like, you're going to the bathroom or you're washing your dishes and you're kind of having an idle moment between your tasks and your mind wants to be like, frustrated about something and kind of yeah. go into the old pattern of something. You can give yourself those moments to be like, oh, I'm washing the dishes and my mind wants to wander. Let me repeat my mantra right now. So that is something I will do every single day. Anytime that I'm feeling triggered or just anytime I'm like idly between tasks, it's almost like a transition between parts of my day. And that keeps me aligned with my core desired feelings and my core values and then if something needs to shift within me by repeating that to myself it reminds me of how I can open up my heart space and allow for more grace flow and ease in that area but yeah the actual ritual of like anything I'm actually physically doing that is it's evolving and a lot of the time it's not big crazy spells it's just like how can I get more in alignment with those core values and that's kind of it I hope that was a satisfying answer. <laughs> that was a super satisfying answer. That was so valuable. Thank you for sharing that. And Brittany, if you're listening, thank you for that question. That was a great question. Yeah, um, very so good question. let us know where can we find you? Obviously, I'm going to have everything linked. What's new that you have on the horizon? Tell us all about it. Yeah. Well, first of all, thank you for having me. Of course. This is like I a dream. <laughs> like I love you and I love all the things that you do and I love that we know each other. So thank you so much. And um, yeah, so as far as what I'm up to is I am, of course, offering the Wheel of the Year course. And for anyone who like heard about it in the past, it is no longer a coaching program. It is now simply a culmination of rituals and journaling prompts that is genuinely just what I do every year that helps me to move closer and closer to my ideal life 
energetically. And so there's journal prompts with these beautiful little workbook thingies that you can actually print out and use as a grimoire, or you can actually just type into it on your computer if you're not a physical grimoire kind of person. And you also get literally every resource that I have ever created on how to work with the seasons. So there's videos in there about the pagan traditions and then there's videos in there about like how to like hardcore manifest something you really want and then there's also videos in there about how to like manifest with more ease and flow instead of like being too forceful so like if you're at any point in your journey whether you're like rigidly manifesting and you want like something that's a little bit easier that helps you to tap more into your heart space or if you've never tried manifesting before and you're more of the meditating kind of person and you want to take it into that level of manifesting, this course has a little something in it for everybody. So that's the main thing that I think people listening to this episode would be interested in. Yeah. But I, of course, also have my um, journal creation uh, business thing situation which um, I started my business with years ago and then I went into coaching and I didn't have time for it anymore. And now I'm back, <laughs> I'm back to being an artist. So if you are a physical grimoire kind of person, I make pretty much anything you might want or need for your grimoire. And I'm willing to take custom orders if it's not something that I've already created. So um, for the wheel of the year, as I mentioned, I am actually turning those journal prompts from the course into a product that you can um, actually craft into like your seasonal grimoire as well. So that's not out yet, but it will be very, very soon. And I do have the seasonal prompts available for download, whether you're taking the course or not. Um, so yeah, that's what I think people listening to this will be interested in. And of course, I'm just, uh, you know, always on all of the socials and sharing randomness. So yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'll have everything linked below, obviously. And if you guys aren't familiar with Afira's journals, definitely click on the link to at least see them because they are beautiful <laughs> in every sense of the word. Um, and thank you so much for being on, Afira. This, this has been great. It's always beautiful to talk to you. So thank you so much. Yes, I've missed you. I'm glad we got to like catch up and, and talk about all the magical things. <laughs> I know. Well, there you have it. That was our interview with Afira. I hope you enjoyed it and I hope you took away some inspiration for your Wheel of the Year celebrations or journaling or shadow work. If you enjoyed this episode, one of the best ways you can support me without heading over to Patreon is by leaving me a review wherever you listen to podcasts and by sharing the podcast on your Instagram story or your social media, telling your friends about it. It all really helps. I hope you have a great week ahead and stay mysterious. <laughs>